The PNC father and son event was a lovely affair. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf. It is a Data Monday. We had a really cool tournament over the weekend where the Davises came screaming back from three strokes behind and won the whole thing. And um, it really fun. It was fun to kind of watch that, kind of see that all come together. It was amazing golf. They shot a 56. And I don't know how many scrambles you've played in, but I've only, I've been on one team where we broke 60, where we shot a 59 and that felt pretty great and pretty crazy. But there was four of us and we were all pretty good players. So to shoot a 56 with just the two of them is really amazing. I mean, that's just incredible golf and it shows. There are three strokes down when they start the day and they won by three strokes. So they played out of their heads. They played really well. Um, just, I mean, it was at 16 under, 56. That's just incredible. They started the round birdie, birdie, eagle, just to kind of let them know that things were looking pretty good for the day. I think their two-day total was 118, which is a new tournament record, broken by two others, two other groups. I can't remember who they were at this moment off the top of my head, but kind of a cool record to have. Let's see, uh, Jack Nicholas. Oh, I, I don't know if you saw this, but Jack Nicholas kind of came up during the interview and started sort of, um, you know, he was in it with his grandson and, and, and wanted to win. You can kind of see Jack's competitive nature. But he kind of walked by and, and joked to Drew, Davis' son, and said, you know, get back get back on tour, will you, and get out of here just to kind of make it so the, the rest of them had a chance. I thought that was pretty entertaining and fun to see. But really cool to see. It's very humanizing, I think, to watch these great players play with with their kids and their grandkids. And I I just love it. It just, again, I've said it a million times, but it's it reminds me of playing golf with my grandpa and how much fun I had doing that. And it definitely brings up uh, an, an increased level of passion for me for the game and the idea of going out and playing with my kids and stuff. It's, it's cool. It's fun to watch. It was really cool to watch and see how that all kind of came about. Even, um, you know, I've never been, it's just fun. Even John Daly out there with his boy and, you know, Jim Furyk and his dad and all of that. It's just pretty cool. As far as I wasn't completely sure on the rules of it all and why Jack Nicholas was kind of joking, but um, so there's a very good chance that, that the Davises will not be able to defend next year because, well, with the way Drew is playing, I mean, it's unbelievable. But, it, but if, if Drew qualifies, if you have any card from any of the professional tours, you cannot play in this. So to, to qualify to play in this, you have to be a, a major champion winner or the uh, player's champion. And then your partner cannot have a pro tour card, right? Those are kind of the rules. So if it would be kind of a happy thing for them if they're unable to, to defend next year. That would mean that Drew has a card on a professional tour someplace, and he is ineligible to play with Davis. So um, that would be cool. That would be great for them. I'm sure Davis will um, find somebody else, right? So anyway, very, very cool. Exciting. Hope you enjoyed it. That was fun to watch. I really enjoyed it. So uh, a data Monday. And there's not, other than the tournament there, and we kind of went over a 56 and, 
and how they played the 16 under 56 and all that. So I wanted to look, I've kind of had a little side, a side pet project going on. And for those who have listened to previous podcasts, you'll know that I like to measure consistency by looking at cuts made, right? And, and looking at the cuts made percentage that at least to me speaks to me as somebody who is very consistent in playing good enough golf week in and week out to make the cut. And so I've always kind of compiled little things and looked at that sort of made cut percentage. So I, I took the top 20 players based on the world golf rankings and I created a, a chart to kind of look and compare all of that, kind of compare their consistency. But with this one, I also threw in top 10s. So I think top 10s are really a really good indication of somebody's competitive nature. It obviously measures their consistency, but you can make the cut right on the number. And then how many, so then if, if that happens, how many times after you make the cut, where do you finish? How well do you finish? How, how good do you play when you make it to the weekend? So that's kind of, I, I included that, that data in this form and kind of ranked them all based on that. And then the last thing I did, and again, this is just for out of personal curiosity, and I've got some other sort of research going on. I'm, I'm looking into, it's always been interesting to me where you've got some players who win, it seems to motivate them or, or does something to them where they want to win more, right? They want more of it. And some individuals, when they win, that's like, it's just like one and done and they disappear. So I've been looking into different statistical measures to kind of figure out who those players are and identify them and sort of see, I think I'm going to do it based on money per tournament, which is kind of why I've added it here, but I'm going to try to figure out a metric to see what kind of players they are. And I, I believe that there's going to be a trend. I also think that there is a correlation between somebody's marital status and, and if they have children or not on their um, competitiveness, their consistency. And again, that just goes no knock on anybody. I, I think being a, a father and a husband are the, are the greatest callings on earth. So I, not to knock anybody who's a father or a husband, but just to say that it demands so much more of your time. And when you have a, a wife and kids, priorities switch. So I think that there's probably some good data there and a good metric there and being a sort of of that mind where I like to kind of crunch the numbers and look at data. That's kind of what I'm working on in case anybody's interested. I'm, and that's sort of my ongoing project to sort of figure out some kind of a, some sort of a statistical model where we can kind of look at that and, and get an idea of what's going on there and, and get kind of an average of people who have kids, people who don't, people who are married, people who are single and kind of work it all up together. Just the economist in me is sort of interested in that. So the data geek in me is interested in that. But anyway, getting back to so this data. So we're looking at cuts made percentage. We're looking at top tens percentage, where they, you know, where they, how many, how often they finish in the top 10. And we're also going to look at how much money they make per event. And then I've even gone further and broken it down to what that means, you know, money per day, how much they're getting paid per day in every tournament that they make. So I've gone through and taken up the top 20 in the world golf rankings and I've I've ranked them all out. So I just kind of wanted to run through. I'm going to give you the top three and the bottom three in each category. And so there's going to be that great, uh, let, let's just read the names of them real quick, just so we understand who we're talking about. We start with Brooks Kepka, who's number one. Justin Rose is number two. Dustin Johnson is ranked number three. 
Justin Thomas is ranked number four. Bryson DeChambeau is number five. John Rahm. John Rahm is number six. Francisco Molinari is number seven. Rory McIlroy is number eight. Ricky Fowler is number nine. Tony Finau is number 10. That's your top 10 finishing out the year of 2018. Number 11 is Xander Shoffley. Number 12 is Tommy Fleetwood. Number 13 is Tiger Woods, um, which, right, that's mind-boggling. From 1,000 to 13, is it's incredible. Number 14, Jason Day. Number 15, Patrick Reed. Come on, how many people thought that Tiger Woods would be ranked higher than his good buddy Jason Day at the start of 2018, right? Exactly zero. Not even Tiger believed that, right? Nobody believed that. But anyway, number 14, Jason Day. Number 15, Patrick Reed. Um, Number 16, Jordan Spieth. How good does Patrick Reed feel finishing one place higher than, than Jordan Spieth for 2018? Right? Come on. Right? He's feeling pretty good about that, right? He's not probably going to say, well, actually, he may say it. But you know, deep down, forget that, not even deep down, like right on the surface, that just absolutely makes his year that he finishes above Jordan Spieth. It is the weirdest relationship to watch those two because even when they're playing in the Ryder Cup and they're team members, I just get the feel that they don't really like each other. And yet they're there to play for the team, which is fascinating. And they're there to beat one another, which seems to bring out some really good golf in those two. But anyway, so we've got uh, Patrick Reed, number 15, Jordan Spieth, number 16, Bubba Watson, great year. Number 17, Patrick Cantlay, number 18, he's getting close to a win. Hasn't had one, he's getting very close. Alex Noren actually just barely leapfrogged uh, Mark Leishman, who's in number 20. So um, Let's see, Alex Noren is number 19. Okay, so that's the the top 20 in the world right now as we close out 2018. That's where they stand. And so I took all of them and started looking at cuts made. So no surprise, here we are, cuts made percentage. This is the percentage in which when they enter into tournament, they will make the cut. Tiger Woods is a whopping 91.33%. Nine out of 10 times, Tiger Woods is going to make the cut. It used to be higher than that, right? It used to be an insane number. That's come down a little bit based on his play of late and his injuries and stuff like that. But still, over 90% and nobody else can touch that in the top 20. Okay, next, Rory McIlroy comes in at third place at 86%. And then in third place, which is, I, I, I wasn't expecting, but in third place, John Rahm, 86% as well, just under Rory McIlroy, but essentially rounds up He's in a high 85%. It rounds up to 86%. So there's your top three. Tiger Woods at 91%. Roy McIlroy at 86%. And John Rahm at 86%. Okay, your bottom your bottom three. Mark Leishman at 73%. So still, we're talking the top 20 players here. These are really, really good players. So 73%. Uh, Bubba Watson, 72%. Right? So... That's interesting, I think. He makes it 72% of the time. He's known to be a little inconsistent, but there you go, 72%. But still, again, top 20 in the world. So that's pretty good, making three out of four cuts. And then the last one, Bryson DeChambeau, dead last in the top 20, 62% if I round up. 62% of the times he makes the cut, which only, yeah, that was amazing to me. He seemed to be much more consistent than that. 
and I, and I was attributing that to, you know, his clubs and how he's a science guy and always using technology and data. And so that, okay, that hurt me a bit. I was a little wounded when I saw that the data technology guy was finishing dead last in the top 20 for cuts made, right? Because that is consistency. Now, I think that if we look, if we went and looked at this and we took it for the last half or maybe last quarter of the year, I'm guessing that's way, way up. And, but I haven't looked at it, so I'm just going for the whole year. This is what it is. Okay. Actually, this is up through, I think this is, yeah, this is all time. Okay, so that's, that's a whole other thing. This is all time. This is what, uh, what we're looking at. Okay, so top tens. So when you make the cut, how often do you finish in the top tens? And who do you think's leading the list again? It's Tiger Woods. So 56% of the time, over half the time, when Tiger Woods makes the cut, he finishes in the top 10. Uh, what? That he is a top 10 master. So Tiger Woods, uh, this shows the competitive nature of Tiger Woods because I remember tournaments this year when he finished on the number. So 56% of the times when Tiger makes the cut, he is going to finish in the top 10. Crazy. Okay, next highest, Roy McIlroy again. He, he seems to have been nowhere this year, but still super impressive. And at least for me, I'm, I'm, I got really tired of hearing how amazing Roy McIlroy, McIlroy was because he wasn't winning anything. And again, he's, he's won a little bit late here, here of late and won this year. But I mean, I was just kind of like, give me a break. But the data really shows it. So when, when Roy McIlroy makes a cut, 45% of the time he's going to finish in the top 10. Okay, and then the last one, Jordan Spieth, but it, it's quite a jump. Jordan Spieth will finish in the top ten. Thirty, let's see, thirty-eight percent of the time, and then everybody's down below that. Okay, let me give you the bottom three of that top twenty. The top twenty ranked in the world. Here's the bottom three: Francisco Molinari, when he makes a cut, finishes in the top ten sixteen percent of the time. Mark Leishman. Finishes in the top 10, 15.5% of the time. And then Alex Noren. Again, this guy, to me, seems so consistent and he seems to be in it all the time. It just must be in the first two days because he finishes in the top 10, 13% of the time. So those were, I thought, fascinating stats for their competitiveness. So based on what I'm saying, in the top 20, those three would be the least competitive obviously consistent because they're making the cuts, but then once they make the cut, what do they do with it? And they top 10, you know, 16, 15, and and 13% of the time. So pretty interesting. Okay, last one, money per event. And I've also broken it down per day, just, you know, for the mind, blow your mind factor. All right, so Tiger Woods, again, tops this list. So Tiger Woods topped all three of my lists, which Maybe isn't surprising to a lot of folks, but he's been gone so long and he hasn't played well in so long that I figured that somewhere along the line he would have given in. But Tiger Woods is far and away the best golfer in the, golfer in the world over the course of his life. Nobody's come close to him. I, I can run down and check different numbers for different years and maybe there'll be guys that are better. But overall, over the course of his career, it's insane. Tiger Woods averages per tournament Per tournament, $334,000. 
Okay, so that's for a week's worth, four days worth of work. And maybe if you're throwing the pot, the, the pro-am, five days of work. But I, I don't think Tiger plays in a lot of pro-ams. Okay, so that's here. Tiger Woods, when he's playing in a golf tournament, he is making $83,000 a day, a day. Okay, $83,000 a day. I don't make $83,000 a day. I never will. Tiger's going to make that billion dollar mark. Don't you think you saw some articles on that this week that Tiger's cruising in on a billion dollars? Yeah. I mean, at $83,000 a day, at $334,000 a tournament, that's unbelievable. Okay. Second place, Rory McIlroy. Again, I'm just shocked that Rory McIlroy continues to be statistically so solid because in my mind, he's fallen off the map. But here he is again. Rory McIlroy, when he makes the cut, um, he, well, forget cut. Roy, even on the ones that he doesn't make, because this is all time. Rory McIlroy averages $273,000 a tournament, $68,000 a day when he's playing. Because this is averaged over every single, every, every single tournament. Um, now, I am dividing by four, so if they don't make the cut, it would mess it up a little bit. But it gives you an idea. Okay, the bottom three. And again, one shocking name on here. Okay, Francisco Molinari is at number 18, and he makes $95,000 a tournament. He's making 23, 24, essentially $24,000 a day as he plays. Here's the one that freaked me out. Tommy Fleetwood, right? It seemed like Tommy Fleetwood can do no wrong. Tommy Fleetwood always was ready to win any tournament he entered. I cannot believe that he is the lowest on this, that he is one of the lowest on this list, that he is ranked 19th. So Tommy Fleetwood makes $93,000, $94,000 a tournament. So $23,000 a day in 19th place. And in 20th place, again, I, I mean, I guess we have to look at everybody else, but Alex Noren makes $50,000 a tournament, which sounds great. I think all of us would love to make $200,000 a month. But he makes, so it's 12, essentially $12,500 a day. So I thought those were pretty interesting stats. Tiger Woods at $83,000 a day is crazy. $334,000 a weekend, right? That's 1.2 something million dollars a month Tiger Woods is making on average. So pretty amazing stuff. But anyway, so there, there you are. It's a Data Monday it's Aaron Stewart geeking out on data about golf and looking at today the consistency metrics, which is cuts made percentage, the top 10 percentage, which I believe to be a really good metric for competitiveness, and then the total money per event and per day goes back to sort of the top 10s, obviously, but it's just kind of interesting, right? It's fun to kind of take them out and say, okay, they make this much a week, $334,000 a week, and I don't right? So for everybody that feels bad, there you go. Anyway, thanks for joining us on a Data Monday. Hope that was uh, interesting to some of you. It's super interesting to me. I'll continue to break down data on every Monday. It's going to be a lot easier when we actually have tournaments and players playing. But until then, please remember and never forget as we go into the new year, better data always means better golf. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com and we'll see you on the next episode.